Hallelujah, He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Please be seated. Grace, mercy, peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When I served my first parish in Missouri, we had new flowers on the altar uh, every week. You ever wonder why many Christian altars have cut flowers instead of a potted living plant? No? You never wondered? <laughs> well, now's your chance. It's true, though, in many churches, cut flowers are placed on the altar. Now, there are many reasons to have flowers on the altar, and the reasons and explanations are as varied as the flowers themselves. Ask the altar guild, and you'll get one answer. Ask the pastor, you'll get another answer. Go to another church, do the same thing, the answers may surprise you. Some of the obvious reasons for having flowers on the altar, I guess, or in the chancel, are the fact that, that God is the creator of those things and of all things. And so it's somewhat of a celebration of the variety of his gifts of beauty. Also, they're, they're just pretty. We want to, to decorate the things of God with beauty and make them appealing and make them attractive. Much like cleaning your home before you have company. You know, that last minute scramble as you see them pulling up in the driveway and you're not quite done. And... Let's be honest. We do that because we want to impress our visitor. But also, maybe to make them comfortable. To give them a, a place of rest, re relaxation, and peace, and hopes that they may stay for a while. Well, don't we want this for our God, too? But why, why cut flowers? Why not a, a living potted plant? It would do the same thing, right? But a potted plant would survive week after week and give us continuing beauty and wouldn't have to be replaced. Well, here's something for you that you may have never thought of. Potted plants stay alive. Cut flowers don't. I know, surprising, isn't it? No? You're ahead of me. No, you already knew that. But that is exactly, that is exactly why we put cut flowers on the altars. Because they die. You ever thought of that? If you remember in the Old Testament and in Jesus' day, the purpose of an altar was death, wasn't it? The altars were where you took an animal that had just been executed. Its blood would be smeared on the corners, called the horns of the altar. And its flesh and its entrails would be cooked or burnt up. This was a very graphic reminder of what was really happening. That animal died for the sins of the one who brought that animal. The father, as the head of the home, would offer the animal on behalf of his family. 
He was their representative. In a way, he was their priest. It was a graphic and gruesome display of pain, of bloodshed and death. And it was meant to be. It was meant to remind the man who brought the sacrifice that he was sinful. That blood was demanded to pay for that sin. That death was the punishment for sin. As Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. So every time the father on behalf of his family would bring in the lamb or the doves or whatever sacrifice he was bringing in, every time he brought that in, it was a visual, it was a graphic, it was a gruesome reminder of the gravity of the situation. Sin equals death. Someone must die. How often are you reminded of that fact? Sin equals death. Once a week, maybe. Once a month. Once in a blue moon. Maybe when you see cut flowers on an altar. Well, if you do see cut flowers on the altar, let them remind you of this. Let them remind you that they will die. They will shrivel up, dry up. They will wither, and they will decay. Their simple yet intricate beauty will soon pass the decomposition. Then, the next week, a new set of flowers will be placed on the altar. I see some of your faces and you're like, wow, pastor, this is really interesting and all, but what does this have to do with our readings for today? I don't know, I just thought it was cool. Just kidding. It's like this. You are just like those cut flowers. When you are born, your body is fresh and vibrant. People like to cuddle with you. They like to hold you, be near you, tend to you. But as we get older, we, well, we wilt. Our bodies break down. We carry with us emotional trauma. Our, our spirits are bruised. Our minds battered until on the altar of death, we breathe our last. Yet each Sunday, each Sunday you come here to be renewed, refreshed. While we can't stop the inevitable aging and coming frailty and decay, we can at least change the water in the vase, so to speak. And so here you are, remembering your baptism, changing the water, getting rid of what has staled, renewing it with a fresh dose of baptismal rejuvenation. This is, after all, why we make the sign of the cross, isn't it? To remember our baptism. This is why we bow at the name of the Holy Trinity when it is spoken. This is why, just as we did with our last hymn, we stand 
When the Trinity, the name of God, is invoked in our hymnody, we remember that we are frail, but by the washing and cleansing of our Lord, we are continually made new. So we stand, even as our knees pop and our hips ache. We bow as our back stretches and we groan, or at least we make the sign of the cross to remember our baptism and that it is our God who has redeemed this aging, sin-ravaged body. Jesus tells us today, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide. That word, abide, I think is the, the, the key word in this whole section. I counted six occurrences of that word here. Abide. What does this mean? There's a Lutheran question. What does this mean? What does abide mean? Well, some synonyms for abide are to live, to remain, or dwell. It means to make a home. It means to be a part of something. Not independent, but dependent, connected. A cut flower is separate from its life source, its roots, it's cut off. It cannot survive. Jesus tells us not to be that. Right? His desire is for us to be connected to Him. Connected to Jesus, the vine. And when we're connected to Him, we have life. Come to me, He says, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I, I will give you rest. If you have been cut off from friends, family, acquaintances, come. Notice, if you will, in, in this reading that, that the vine never leaves. The vine stays. It's stationary. Only the branches leave the vine. Either voluntarily or by being cut off. The vine is always stable. It's always constant, vibrant, it's willing and it's able. Abide in the vine. If you are attached to the vine, you will bear fruit. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does, does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. The fruit does not come from the branch itself. If the branch is cut off, without being connected to the vine, it produces no fruit. Nothing. It simply dies. But connected to the vine, fruit happens. Only because it is connected to the vine. No vine, no fruit. It is the vine itself that produces or supplies the production of fruit. Those who belong to him, we will produce fruit. But what is this fruit? 
Jesus says, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. This isn't a, a bad translation, but it doesn't give us a full understanding of what Jesus is saying. The Greek word here for prunes also is in the very next verse. Not translated as prunes. He says, already you are clean. You are clean. Same word. Same Greek word. Different translation. And that causes a little bit of a disconnect, I think. The Greek word is kathairo. Kathairo. And it simply means to clean or to cleanse. So if we were to put that definition, that word, that translation into that previous verse, here's how it would go. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he cleanses, that it may bear more fruit. You see, our, our need, friends, isn't to bear fruit. Our need isn't to bear fruit. We have a much deeper need than doing things. Because our fruit doesn't impress God. As we already said, it comes from Him. He is the source. He is the vine. He's the one that produces the fruit. Our works don't impress Him because He provides the fruit. But the fruit comes through us by being cleansed. Being made clean by getting rid of the disease of sin, the parasites of the devil, and all those things that draw us away from our true source of life. If we are cleansed, we will produce fruit. And if we produce fruit, we'll be even more cleansed, as if that's possible. But that is the grace, the abundance of God's mercy. Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Seventy-seven times seven. Grace. Abide in the vine. My cut flowers be, be renewed at the altar each week. As the week goes on and death approaches, sin cuts us off. The devil decays our faith and brings doubt, fear, guilt, shame, and pain. <laughs> That's what he does. As if we need his help. Abide in the vine. Abide. Live. Dwell. Stay connected. I am the vine, says Jesus. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Like the cut flower, you die. Apart from me, you produce no fruit. Apart from me, there is no life. Apart from me, you cannot be cleansed. You cannot be healed. You cannot be forgiven. Apart from me. Abide in the vine. And he will produce the fruit. The fruit of forgiveness, life, and salvation. Because without that, you are dead in your trespasses and your sins. You need the vine. 
And the vine is there to serve you. I guess though they may serve as a good reminder, perhaps it's, it's good that we do not have flowers on our altar. Because our connection isn't just to the flowers that are absent. Our connection, our greater connection is to what is there. The very presence of our Lord. Connected to the vine. Each time we come forward to receive his body, to receive his blood, we are connected. We, in remembrance of what his sacrifice meant, eat the sacrifice that lays on this altar. Even our altar is still a place of death. But more than that, it's the place of new life. The sacrifice has been made, and because of that sacrifice, our sins are forgiven. So we come to the altar with our sins weighing us down, but we leave as if we have been resurrected and made new, alive, again. It is the place where our sins are forgiven. It's here. Right here is Christ's body. Right here is Christ's blood. Right here is the vine. His body, His blood, a gruesome sacrifice. Blood shed and smeared. Body broken and butchered. Death, His death. The decaying flower Himself. So that you may stay connected to the vine. So that you may be cleansed. So that you may bear fruit. And the more you are connected, the more fruit you will bear, the more forgiveness you will receive, the more the sacrifice is yours. The more you grow with a vine, the stronger the branch. You ever noticed on a, on a little tree, the new limbs are really weak and brittle? They bend and break. The longer that tree or that limb is there, the stronger it gets. The more rooted it is, the more attached it is to the vine, to the trunk. The more you're connected, the more you stay, the more you abide, the more the Father tends to you. Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so show, show to be my disciples. We're not disciples because we bear fruit, but because we bear fruit, we show that we are His disciples. Because we're His disciples, we bear fruit. It's what we do. Abide in the vine. By, by doing so, you show that you belong to Him. And that He belongs to you. Abide in the vine. Abide in the vine. And now may the peace that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.